0: Well, good morning everyone, I'm Dave, so glad to join you here, and it was the February of 2019, I just finished my previous ministry role at nearly eight years and was days away from starting this new job as a lead pastor of Crossway Christian Church, and as a pastor, a new position isn't just like any new job, it's a new life, it's an entirely new set of relationships almost for you and for your family. Ministry is not for the faint of heart, it's costly. I recently heard someone joke and said, ministry is so hard that that's the reason why Jesus only did it for three years. But I wanted to take some time to get away between these roles, to reaffirm that, yes, my calling is undeniable. I know I am a pastor. But to keep that calling clear, my passion white-hot, my trust in God secure, I went to an overnight retreat at a place that God has just met me at many, many times called Camp Brookwoods in Alton Bay, New Hampshire. It's a sacred space for me. I've been privileged to baptize dozens of young adults along the pristine waters, along the southeastern shores of Lake Winnipesaukee, where Brookwoods is at. I've seen life change happen in some incredibly unexpected ways. It's a place for me to go if I ever doubt God because as I walk those trails and go through the halls of those buildings, I'm assured that God is real. He is with me because what he did around me and within me during those days cannot be denied. And so I went to retreat for those two days to kind of take some time one day to look back at all God had done over the last eight years and to look forward to what God, I believe, was going to do in and through this new role and calling. But away from the busyness and the change of pace, they say change of pace plus change of place equals a change in perspective. Through that change of place and pace, a new perspective hit me. Oh my goodness, what am I stepping into? I'm leaving the unknown now, uh, or the known for the unknown. I'm leaving a place where I know is loved and appreciated to a place. Who knows, how is somebody going to respond to a pastor with the title Reverend Ripper? I mean, who is going to be... If for me, am I going to be well-received? Am I going to be able to carry the weight and bear it, uh, the responsibilities of being a lead pastor? It all started to hit me, started to shake me a little bit. But when I feel uncertain, when I feel shaken, like the best course of action is to turn to what never changes, what is always trustworthy, and that's God's Word. And on retreat, he brought me back to some words I had memorized in seminary years before to breathe new life into them, to turn my thoughts toward prayers, to turn my worries into a greater sense of need and reliance and trust in the Lord. And the words that he brought to my attention were from Psalm 121, verse 8. The Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time on and forevermore. This verse doesn't promise me success in the new role. It doesn't promise me that it's going to be cushy. It doesn't mean I'm going to be well-received, but it did promise me I will be kept. I will be loved. I will be sustained. I will be provided for by God. He will keep my going out and my coming in from this time on and forever. What would it look like for God to be our keeper, your keeper? How has God kept your life? How would you like him to be providing for you with what you're going through right now? Well, today we're in our second week of our new series called Praying the Psalms. Each week through the summer, we're going to be exploring one of these 15 Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 to 134. They were Psalms that were prayed and sung and rallied around as people made pilgrimage from their towns to Jerusalem three times a year to worship God. And I believe they are fitting prayers and psalms while we are maybe shifting from winter to spring, maybe, and it's still like 40s out there, Uh, maybe from spring to summer, maybe from the end of the school year to the next one, maybe from a job change to a new one, maybe from a change of location to a new one. There's a lot of change that happens this time of year. And these words remind us that our God never changes, never fails. His promises can be trusted as we sung about. And today we're going to go through one of my favorite of all the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 121. And I think it's a great Psalm for Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And if it wasn't for you, none of us would be here. I think that's also true for the dads, but we are glad to celebrate you. And I think it's a great Psalm for Mother's Day because it invites us, every one of us, to experience God as our keeper, our guardian, our guide. And I believe many of us get our first glimpse of the work of keeping from our own mothers or from parental figures in our lives. Just think of all the ways mothers do the work of keeping. They keep us safe, they keep us fed, they keep us quiet, or at least try to. They keep us together, they implore us to keep our hands to ourselves, they help us keep appointments, they keep memories, they keep secrets, or at least they're supposed to. They like to keep us up on things, keep our appearances up, keep us up on our homework, keep our chins up. They like to keep us out of things, don't they? They like to keep us out of trouble, out of the cookie jar, fingers out of our noses. Come on, little kids, you know what I'm talking about. They like to keep us in things. They like to keep us in line, in school, in time out when we've been wrong, and in church. And you might be here today because your mom wants to keep you in relationship with God in his community. They do a lot of keeping, and I could keep going, but I think we'll leave it there, because not only is keeping exhausting work, but talking about keeping is. And even the best of our moms, no matter how energetic they might be, eventually start to bump into their own limits of energy, time, focus. We start to get exhausted. But what this psalm proclaims today as we read is that we have one who looks over our lives perfectly, Who never sleeps, never slumbers, never bumps into limits, never tires, never gives up on us, never ever stops loving us. God is our keeper. And so today I want to help us experience the assurance and the peace that comes when we seek God as our ultimate keeper, our greatest helper. Last week when we looked at Psalm 121, we started to see that We are to gain an assurance or an awareness of our needs. And as we start to have an awareness of our needs, we can pray our aches. But as we gain awareness of our needs, Psalm 121 assures us that one is keeping us, one loves us, one is with us, no matter what we are going through. So today I want to invite you, if you brought a Bible along with you, and I encourage you to do that if you can. If you're in person or at home, we're glad you are here. Turn in your Bibles, or you can follow along the screens to Psalm 121. And I'll invite us, uh, just as these pilgrims would have been walking and praying and standing as these words were spoken and prayed, let's stand together as we hear God's Word today from Psalm 121. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. These are God's very words. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So how might we avail ourselves of the limitless help of God in a world that's filled with uncertainty, and unknowns. Let's try and walk through this psalm verse by verse to find out. So the psalmist begins, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? There's something about looking to the hills, at least for me, that starts to bring calm and peace out of a lot of chaos. On Fridays, when my wife works as a mental health therapist, I watch our three kids. And sometimes when things just get out of control, one of my little secret dad weapons, if you live nearby, is I love to drive over to the Nashua Airport, kind of on the east side. You can look out and see Pack and North Pack, Monadnock; those mountains. You get airplanes whizzing right overhead. The kids are exhilarated. I'm looking at mountains. And suddenly the chaos gets controlled, even if just for 15 minutes or so. And there's something peaceful about just looking to the hills. But ultimately, we need to look beyond them. Now, when this psalm was first kind of recited and crafted in the Israelites' day, the hills were a place where a lot of people went to worship false gods, Baal or Asherah. Some of the practices in which they would worship were very detestable, even hard to even describe publicly with young ones in the room. They wanted to do some of these just egregious things out of sight, out of mind away from the public eye. And so when people would go to the hills, this could in some terms be thinking, oh, we go to worship these false gods. But what the psalmist is declaring, no. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from beyond the hills, the one who made even the highest of the mountains. Now that sounds antiquated and kind of dated to think about worshiping false gods, but in our day and age, it seems like a lot of us turn to created things rather than the creator for help to worship, to find guidance and peace. Just last week, I was a, I had an opportunity to go out to San Diego for a pastors' conference sponsored by World Vision. We're partnering with them for the six K run, which will be happening in thirteen days. Uh, if you can walk for about an hour, you can do this. It'll be a great chance to raise money to help folks who are walking three point seven four miles to access clean water. Uh, you can push a stroller. My five year old's going to walk, and he can't wait. You can get a medal uh, for finishing this six uh, K. So we hope you'll join us. But So we got to do a run as a team, and I'm actually going to help lead a half marathon group uh, on October 1st to help more people raise money and awareness for some of the important causes for clean water uh, work all over the world. That'll be October 1st. We hope you'll join in on that. You can do it, I promise. But we did a group run, and we were running along the harbor and the waterfront of San Diego when the sight really stunned us. We're running along, and suddenly we come to this park. We're literally hundreds of people are standing in silence laying on the ground some people are kind of dancing with these eucalyptus trees it was a bizarre sight to say the least we later found out that everyone had kind of in-ear app like uh, headphones for for an app that was about meditation to help you kind of earth and ground yourself in nature seeking these kind of impersonal means to find peace and calm one of the fellow runners, that we're going past, says, you know, we think as Christians, we're the only ones who seek spiritual things. But people do all the time. And what the psalm proclaims, is that as helpful as nature might be able to be for us, we don't worship creation, we worship the Creator. Our help does not come from impersonal things or means. Our help comes from a personal God who loves us, who desires us, who wants to be in a relationship with us. That's why in verse 2, the psalmist fearlessly proclaims, My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. So where do you seek help when you're in trouble, when you're frazzled, when you're rattled, when the chaos seems to overwhelm? Where do you seek help? Think about our culture for a moment. Where do those around us often seek help? I would suggest most of us don't seek help out there. We turn inward. We look to find help through ourselves. Just think about the billions of dollars that are raised every year and spent on books related to self-help. You can do it. If you can think it, then you can live it. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Eat this way. Exercise this way. Wear these kind of yoga pants, and you are going to be able to get yourself from here to there by your own willpower and discipline. And yet, does self-help really work? Can we always be in control of our choices and our destiny? This past week, I was at the public library in a book Caught my eye when I was looking at some books for our kids, and it was a book called No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear, written by Kate Bowler. She is a professor of American church history at Duke University or Duke Divinity School, a believer, and she begins her book this way. This is the first page, and it just stunned me and stopped me in my tracks. Listen to this woman's words I'm a professor of history, so I know this in my bones nothing is inevitable history is made by people who stared blinking into the uncertain future their paths were not lit before them by sacred meteors for most of us this sounds like good news we choose and choose and choose again before before the baby before the diagnosis before the pandemic before before when i was earnest and clever and ignorant, I thought life is a series of choices. I curated my own life until one day I couldn't. I had accepted the burden of limitless choices only to find that I had few to make. I was stuck in this body, in this house, in this life. How did she reach this conclusion? Well, what brought Kate to this recognition was the unexpected stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis that she had received at age 35, just a year after giving birth to their son, Zach. Life was not the result of her own curated choices. She was not as in control as she thought. Life, in fact, is largely beyond her control. And she wanted to write this book to refute a lot of the self-help lies that are clichés that sound good, they think they're right. But she was living by those things, driving herself so hard, thinking if I just keep climbing the ladder, keep achieving this and this and this, then I'm going to have this sense of impermeable happiness and joy. And what she realized is she was chasing after something that would never deliver on its promises. In fact... So little of her life is really under her control. She was trying to help herself. But she needed to find something beyond self-help to find true help. Self-help is really no help at all when compared to the help that is available to us from the Lord. Where do you look for help? The psalmist declares, help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And why is that? Because in verses 3-4 through he says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps Israel will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This God is always with us. So I'd like for us to practice praying this psalm a moment. If you were here last week, we practiced this. And one of the ways we can pray the psalms is just by reading a few verses. And after reading them, what we can do is respond in prayer. We can use them as prompts. And so what I'd like for us to do is to remember that God is with us. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. I want us to express a little to the Lord, where do I turn for help, for comfort, for peace, for assurance when I'm not turning to the Lord? To confess that. We've been looking in the wrong places when the help we need is always right there. And then make your confession to the Lord. My help comes from you. So let me read these first couple of verses again here for us. And let's just take 30 seconds to really pray. To encounter God right where you are, right as you are today. This is the most important thing I think we can do in church is meet and encounter God. It's not getting insight. It's not getting entertainment. It's encountering God. So let me read these verses and let's use them as a prompt for you to pray. You to reconnect with God right where you are, right as you are. Pray as you can, not as you can. Let's listen. In my distress, I cry. Oh, sorry. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps Israel will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Let's confess before the Lord now. Let's take 30 seconds to hear our prayers, Lord. Amen. Let me give the kids a good uh, shout out. Way to be pretty quiet during that time too. I mean, your mom is proud here today. So well done. But we need a God who never sleeps, never slumbers. Because the troubles that might befall us are constant, seemingly infinite. In verses 5 through 6, along with verse 3, pick up on some of the struggles, the trials, the troubles that might come across our paths if we're not careful. Even, even if we are. Verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The psalmist is aware on these travels, sunstroke, moonstroke could be real issues. In verse 3, he says, God won't let your foot slip. Just imagine you're traveling out in the desert, out in the wilderness, and you twist an ankle. With no one else around, nothing else around. You could be in really... Bad shape, be stranded. Sunstroke could harm a person out in those harsh climates. Moonstroke was a description the ancient writers would use to describe becoming emotionally ill. Think lunar, lunacy. They would think some form of emotional illness. And what the psalmist is saying is God will protect us from these things. He's our keeper. But are we to conclude then on first reading? This might be a question that you've been thinking. I want to address it. If God's our keeper and we trust Him, does it mean we'll never twist an ankle? Never suffer the effects of the sun? Never experience emotional turmoil in our lives? Is that what the psalmist is saying and proclaiming? Verse 7 seems to take it up another notch too. Verse 7 says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Kate Bowler, one of her big projects of her doctoral dissertation was to actually expose some of the lies behind the American prosperity gospel. Teachers like Joel Osteen or others who just basically say, and I don't want to hate on him, he seems like a nice guy, but she does in her writings and kind of says, he's making promises that the Bible never really makes, that you're live your best life now. It's all going to work out. If you just believe it, you can achieve it. All these things that sound good and make us feel great when we walk out the doors, but are they really true? Will God really keep you from ever having an injury, ever having suffering, or going through hard times in life? Now what's important about reading one portion of the Bible is that we always need to interpret one part of the Bible in light of the whole Bible. Because sometimes one aspect, if we read it in an isolated way, maybe with our own lens of what we want it to say, we can twist and manipulate the Scriptures to almost tell us whatever we want. But when we look, especially in the New Testament, at some of Jesus' words, he seems to correct maybe that misconception that everything in life is going to work out if you just trust God enough. Because sometimes we believe that, and then when things don't work out well, we think maybe we're not trusting God enough or God doesn't love me. And the dangers behind that kind of prosperity gospel are just infinite. They're profound. But Jesus, let's think of some of his words. John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus seems to be putting it into perspective. We are going to have some trouble in the world. Not Everything is not just going to work out the way that we want it to, but you can take heart. These troubles that we go through now, I have the upper hand. I've overcome them. In the book that we're recommending, you read alongside our series, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson, which is for sale out in the the Hub or you can order it online. He writes this, kind of questioning, is the Bible contradicting itself? What is being promised here? He says this, the promise of this psalm, Psalm 121, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us that will be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. What this psalm is saying, it's not that, no, you're going to stub your toes every once in a while. You're going to get some, some sunburn. I already saw somebody that had that coming in. People coming from Florida, you know, all you know, sunny and I'm looking all pasty. It's okay, I still love you guys and God bless you. No, no. Uh, It's not that things aren't tough and challenging and it's not like they're not going to happen to you. But nothing is going to be able to be used by the evil forces in this world when God's our keeper to separate us from God's love for us. We will be kept. And we can find assurance in that. One New Testament passage, that just echoes this important truth. is Philippians 1.6, it says this. Paul's writing, I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in you, among you, will bring it to completion. If God started a good work in you, he will finish what he has started. We will be kept from the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, he might be able to wound us. Yes, he may be able to bring some tough circumstances into our lives. But what God started, God will finish. He's your keeper. He will keep you. He is your keeper. That's why verse 8 can boldly be said, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. God will keep the beginning of your journey and the end of your journey when you return from Jerusalem. But beyond this, people kind of understood this. I mean to God will keep your going out and coming in in big seasons of your life. Not only so, God will keep your going out of this life And you're coming in to the life to come. Now, over the last three years of actually being in this role, I'm so grateful for that retreat where God put this verse on my heart. It's one that I've committed to memory, and I have prayed it just innumerable times. When there's been challenges that are outside of my control, global pandemic and you're just wondering how can I bear the weight how can I endure some of the criticism how can I keep things together it seems like it's too much the Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time on forevermore again and again he assured me of that promise one of the most profound ways that occurred, since we're talking about hills, this passage, I know I have a lot of mountain illustrations, but this one gives me a good excuse to do so. So I think I'll take the liberty. But uh, a few months ago, I talked about some of these micro spikes that uh, I've been wearing for winter hiking, and they really help you walk on the ice. And I tried my first uh, winter hike at North Packman Adnok about uh, a couple years ago now. And I remember walking up and climbing up the mountain. It was so easy. It was so great. You're just locked in there, and it felt good then coming down made me a little bit more nervous. There's a very steep incline, nothing but a sheet of ice. And if these things don't hold up, I am going to eat it big time for a long, long way. I'm not going to die, but I am going to probably be more injured than I should at this age of my life. And so I just start thinking, can I take this step? Kind of feeling like Indiana Jones, you know, is this going to work out here? And I take the first step, click in, I'm locked. Wow, I feel secure. Now let's take that back foot up and whoa, this is actually working. I'm not only not sliding, I am able to just walk full stride right down this hill. And God spoke to me in just a powerful way there. He says, if you look at all the circumstances around you, you should be sliding. You should be drowning. You should be overcome by all of the challenges and adversity that's around you, even some of the negative thinking within you. But I am your keeper. I will keep your going out and your coming in. And so no, you're not sliding. You are striding. You have found your power in me. You are relying in me. I am your keeper. I will not let your foot slip. Even if you take some shots along the way, God's your keeper. He is my keeper. And He allowed that passage to come alive in a really tangible way for me. That's why I can say it with confidence and assurance God's your keeper. He will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time on forevermore. No, He might not take you out of the waters when you feel like you're drowning, but He will help you remain buoyant. He will keep you from evil, from evil having its way. And how can I know that's true? Well, God is the one who was at the highest place, came from the heavens, came down to the lowest place. He climbed down into our world. He's familiar with all of the ways that you or I could need help. He's not distant, he is near. He has suffered like us. He has struggled like us. He has struggled for us. He has suffered for you and me. Going to the lowest, hardest place, death itself. And he defeated death. He conquered the grave. That's why we can confidently proclaim he will keep our going out of this life into the life to come. Do you believe that? The only thing that people seem to fear more than death is public speaking. But God will keep you as a public speaker. And he will keep you from this life to the life to come. There's an old Jewish practice uh, that people in Jesus' day would have believed. And it was this whole idea that we don't just want to study the text, but we need to. We don't just want to know the text and internalize it. We don't just want to live the text. We don't just want to proclaim the text. There was a belief that we want to die the text. Meaning that we want to have the very words of the Scriptures on our lips as the last things we would ever say before we go to be with our Maker. And I've thought about what those words be for me. And I think Psalm 121, verse 8 might be it. The Lord is my keeper. He will keep my going out and my coming in from this time on and forevermore. And I can be confident of that. Because God is the one who has defeated death, conquered the grave, and through his life, death, and resurrection makes life forever available to you and me. Help forever and help now if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And you might be watching, you might be here today, maybe because your mom was pulling you here. Or maybe it's because you really are looking for help. You've tried a lot of those other things, self-help, creation, whatever that might be but you know there's something more that you need than what you can possibly do for yourself. And so today, maybe this is the day that you call on the Lord for help. Be my help. Be my guide. Be my Savior. Be my teacher. Be my Lord. And maybe you've been looking for help in all the wrong ways for far too long. Maybe it's today to make your confession my help. It comes from the Lord. Not me, not that person, not that worldview, not that self-help stuff. My help comes from the Lord. And I believe even as a church, God has kept our coming in and our going out throughout this pandemic. Because He is a keeper we can trust. And He is with us. And nothing can separate us from His love. And so may we as a church proclaim, our help comes from the Lord. May that be our prayer. May that be our confession, church. Your help comes from the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these these riveting words, these powerful images, that when we become aware of our incredible need for you, you can give us assurance that we are not alone. We don't have to figure this out by ourselves. We don't have to use our own willpower to keep pressing on and going forward because you are with us. You will keep our going out and our coming in. And Lord, if there's anyone here today maybe just feels tired, exhausted from all the keeping work that they've been doing, may they find rest and restoration and hope in knowing you're our ultimate keeper. For the parents in this room, I know often we have deep, deep desires for our children. And our children, while we are given stewardship of them, we can't control their choices. We're not their ultimate keeper. You are their ultimate keeper, Lord. And so we want to entrust our loved ones, nephews, nieces, sons, daughters, no matter how old or how young they are, we put them before you. Keep them, God. And thank you, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, you give us assurance that we are seen, we are known, we are provided for, that we are kept. And so, Lord, for my friends today, may we all give our lives to you to proclaim our help comes from you. And may we walk with assurance and trust and hope and resilience because you are our keeper and you will and you are keeping our going out and our coming in from this time on and forevermore. To you be the glory. Everyone pray together. Amen.